This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Cats at night. Now here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis uh, with uh, 5 o'clock and uh, number one show at 5 o'clock. And this is a TriCast, 970 AM, The Answer, 770 on WABC and uh, WLIR in Long Island, uh, soon to be named another name. Uh, we, in the, in the studio, we have, uh, Peter King, King's Highway named after him. And, <laughs> King's uh, College. King's, King's College. College and, and, uh, and the, and the borough of King's County. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, you didn't know how powerful I was, John. <laughs> and Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense Democrat and, uh, nothing's you know, named after me, you know. Nothing's named after you. Uh, Lydia, I understand some breaking news real fast. Breaking news, WABC. I wanted you to play that music first. That's why it's not the breaking news. The Olivia Newton-John, she passed away at the age of 73. She suffered from metastatic breast cancer for almost 30 years. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful woman. This is one of my favorite songs from Greece. You're the one that I want. Remember this? You can hardly hear it. You guys got to turn it up. Uh, I understand we have Bill well, O'Reilly. The one, on the the one that we want is Bill O'Reilly. He's a prolific author. His latest book, Killing the Killers, is still on the bestsellers list. Uh, welcome back to Cats and Night, Bill O'Reilly. How are you today? I'm uh, a little sad of Olivia Newton-John. I mean, she's a cultural icon. Grease is just a fabulous movie and play and uh, reflected the uh, time I grew up in. Late 50s, early 60s. Uh, we had a lot of um, good memories of her and that project. You know, I bet that Greece would be like bands in the movie theaters now. You know, some of the kind of issues that they talk about there. You know, it's uh, a, a sad time we're living in right now with all of this nonsense. So I grew up in Levittown, as you guys know, and um, one of the big greasers in the neighborhood was Billy Joel, and he lived in the Levittown section of uh, Levitt, of the Hicksville section of Levittown, I should say. It was so vast, the whole the housing development, they had to have four post office. And uh, we used to see Billy up at what they call the stores, but Carmen Avenue, people know that area of Westbury and Levittown. And uh, he had the leather jacket on in August, mm-hmm. and I used to go, hey, hey. It's 90 degrees. What's with the leather jacket? And he would take out his comb and flick his hair back. <laughs> and he was uh, of that era. I was a little more of an athlete, um, but it was uh, it was a gentle era, even though, you know, the greasers were had this drag race image and they were smoking and things like that. They weren't malicious at all. And I think it was a happier time than what we have now in America. What, what happened to civility, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly? I mean, we we used to argue with each other. Republicans used to argue with Democrats, and and people used to kid around. I mean, some of the comedians 
uh, from the Friars Club back from the 60s and 70s, they'd hang them right now. Well, the root of our problems in New York City and the surrounding suburbs, all 16 million of us, is a collapse in civility in behavior toward one another. You can trace that back to rising crime, to uh, apathy, to rudeness in the classroom, teachers cursing, I mean, students cursing out teachers, that kind of stuff. And that all stems from the home. But when the home dissolves, as we have now in our society, because no longer is traditional family upbringing respected by the media, it's not. So civility itself is on the decline, and that leads to hardcore crime. It leads to strife between people. It leads to disrespect, and disrespect leads to violence. So that whole culture that we once had where we do respect each other's points of view, even though we disagree, that's gone. And the sad part about it is it's very hard to bring it back because if you are on the traditional side, as I am, you get hellaciously attacked. And a lot of people don't want to be in that arena. They don't want to stand up to that kind of stuff. The, uh, the woman who is the president, of, the former president of the ACLU, has been talking about that issue, and she's been under attack. She says the First Amendment counts, and everybody should respect the First Amendment, and she's being called out by the woke crowd on well, that the bill. the ACLU is no longer the ACLU we used to know. No, it's an advocacy far-left progressive group now in business to change the country. So what I think it is, is there's two issues here. There's the social issue, and you're seeing a lot of brazen crime by teenagers, young adults. I mean, brazen crime, you know, spitting at people's faces in the subway, uh, crimes they'll never be held accountable for, by the way. The police to go, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? They're not going to do anything about it, they being the uh, district attorney's office and, and whatever. Once you have that kind of fear on the street that you could be attacked, maligned, cursed out, pushed at any time, the city starts to decline. And we're in that decline now. There's no doubt about it. We aren't the society we were back in the Greece days where we had fun. Now everybody's afraid, and rightly so, because there is a subculture <clears throat> of violent younger people who will hurt you with no remorse, none. And, you know, when you have a a justice system that doesn't care about justice and doesn't want to protect the citizens, and that's exactly what we have. I mean, the district attorneys in Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan, they don't care about protecting you. If the crime isn't right, you know, if you're not in the hospital, um, you know, probably nothing's going to happen to your assailant. That guy that beat up, that. The guy that beat up the cop, remember uh, their 125th in right. Harlem in the subway, that video that went viral? That was a teenager in San Francisco. An elderly woman was beat down. One of the suspects, 11 years old. In Chicago, yeah. most of the carjackings, they're done by teenagers. Yeah, it, yeah. There aren't any restraints now. So the actor Rick Moranis was uh, about a year ago walking on the Upper West Side going home, and a guy just went up and punched him in the face. Yeah, on Central Park West. On Central Park West. I know him. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, nothing happened to the guy. Bill, what do you think about the governor saying that the judges should be re-educated about the bail reform law because they don't understand it? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's I, think a joke. Judges I think they understand it pretty well. I, I think they do, too, Bill. Yeah, I mean, look, again, we went, we've talked about this uh, on Katz's show many times. If you pull a lever for these people led by Kathy Hochul, if you want her back, then you are putting yourself in danger, period. That's what it's going to come down to, September and October, Bill. September and October, we're we're all going to be yelling out. Hey, Bill, this is Pete King. How do you think the Lee Zeldin campaign is going? Or the anti-Hochul campaign, either way you want to look at it. The problem with Zeldin is he doesn't have enough money. And that's worrisome. And I w- I'm surprised that Republicans around the country haven't rallied and, you know, boosted his treasury because he's not well known. And so if people listen to him, I mean, he's got a law and order message. He's got a low taxes message, which ha- should resonate. But people don't know who he is. It takes look in order to get people to pay attention to you. You have to do something dramatic or have enough money to buy TV time over and over and over and over. So people finally go, yeah, marketing surveys show it takes the average American nine times to hear something before it registers. Nine times. And Hochul is well over 30 million. Lee, I think, went broke during the primary. So he's trying to. A resurrect from he's that. Got a million and a half now, Congressman. Yeah. I think that's what he's got on hand. Mm-hmm. But Hochul's money is out of state money. It's oh not yeah, no, people she's... writing their checks here, except for the real estate people in in Manhattan. And God knows why. I guess they have all kinds of secret deals with her. She's a secret deal person. Well, we they could be. This. They could be afraid of her also as to what she might do. So they want to sort of buy her off early. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't speculate, but she made a deal with a Jersey company for COVID um, vaccine or something, not vaccine, but COVID something without any bids, kicked them an enormous amount of money. And then they turned around and kicked right back to her campaign. So everybody knows that Kathy Hochul is in the fine tradition of Tammany Hall. Everybody's paying attention. But again, you know, the woman is not going to protect you. She's not. So if you don't want any protection, vote for Kathy Hobel. I think that's what's going to come down to in October and November, that everybody that cares about New York, it's going to come down to who cares about New York, and we want New York, New Yorkers to feel safe. I mean, to- you know, people, you know, it goes back to the congestion pricing, and the MTA is t- trying to glom money from the people in the city of New York they drive below 60th Street. You know why they're glomming money? Yeah, I know Because exactly. nobody's paying the damn fare. That's exactly And why aren't they paying the fare? Because they're afraid to be on the subways. That's it. Or and the, why aren't the people coming back to New York City? Because they're afraid to be in the city. Okay, bottom line. So, well, uh, look, Governor Hochul, you got to make, you know, you got to make New York City safe. That's it. She's not going to do it. No. She's a, she's a product of the progressive left, which believes the criminal justice system, not only in New York, but in America, is racist. And there are too many African-Americans in jail. 
and dope dealing and dope consumption in public is fine. Progressives aren't bothered by that. I mean, we had a case a couple of weeks ago in New York. The guy comes in with a ton of methamphetamine. He's out, no bail. So every dope dealer in the city knows they can sell their stuff wide open. Even if a cop takes them in, they're out in two hours back selling their stuff. Bill, I mean, I, Bill, I don't know if she's a product kind of system that we have. I don't know if she's a product of progressives or a convert to progressivism. No, I'm going to tell you now. She's so not a convert. I know her. She's a tough Irish girl, but she needs the courage to go against those uh, progressives, uh, regressives in Albany. But she she needs been, that courage. Before she became governor, she was nowhere near this progressive. When she was county clerk. I know that. You, she, we both know yeah, her. I know. Yeah, I know she well. She's a yeah. tough Irish girl, but she gotta, she's got to just say enough is enough. You know, as a Not journalist, I deal in it. facts, right? And congestion pricing, it, it was done in London. Well, you know what happened in And did pollution to go Kaminsky. down? No. And Nassau County. Well, you finally got to have a DA there. Who knows her stuff, Ann Donnelly? Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm just making. I'm not bringing up Ann Donnelly. I'm Remember, saying you know what happened to Todd Kaminsky. No, right. But I'm saying and, and, the people and, and, in Nassau are smart Governor enough Hochul to elect somebody who's good. She should absolutely. And Bill O'Reilly, just just to go back a little bit to the congestion pricing. The congestion pricing, all it will do is just call more congestion around the surrounding area. That's what happened to London. It's a $20 tax to get there into central London. They saw little to no impact on the air quality. So if it didn't work in London, then why is it they're, they're trying to lie to us and say that it'll work here in New York City? Look, anybody driving into New York City now better have a lot of cash to be, because you can't park. It's insane. And now the subways are dangerous. Plus, you have to pay off the squeegee, man. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, the city is spiraling out of control. And that's why people are fleeing and living elsewhere or working from home. They don't want to come back to the city. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's it's. in order to turn this city around now where we are now. You need almost a dictator to do it. Um, it's Where's really Rudy? frightening. I know that's what you needed. You need another Giuliani. That's what you need, Bill O'Reilly. We got to take a break. Nine o'clock. I'm going to be listening to you nine o'clock tonight worldwide on WABCRadio.com and uh, on BillO'Reilly.com and on whatever on the app at seventy-seven WABC on your iPhone. And what are you going to talk about tonight? Well, we're talking about the migrants being bussed to New York City from Texas. That's our lead story. Well, then, uh, uh, Mayor Adams should complain to the White House. <laughs> Mayor Adams, he's up against it now. Um, but it's an unbelievable story, and we'll open on Common Sense at 9 p.m. WABC right after Mark Levin tonight. I'll be listening at 9 o'clock tonight. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Miranda Devine, and she's got some hot news. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. we got a full studio. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, Congressman Peter King, of course, John Katzmatidis. And now on the line, we have Miranda Devine. She's a New York Post columnist, and what she's born in, born, born in Queens, but raised out in Australia, right? 
That's correct, Rita. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> so we wanted to talk to you about the politicization of the FBI. Christopher Wray, uh, he was also, that, that was a pretty much a, a devastating hearing. He gave some interesting answers, especially when it came to Hunter Biden. Even CNN is now saying, what about Hunter? What do you make of all of this? Well, look, I, I think that Christopher Ray, the FBI director, is a master of evasion. Uh, he uh, batted away all the questions, um, didn't really give any information. I mean, they were crucial questions about our national security, everything from the border to, as you say, Hunter Biden. And uh, he just wasn't interested in being frank and open and being accountable or having his agency be accountable. He seems really to just want to protect the institution. He thinks that's the noble thing to do is to say how wonderful the FBI is and how, you know, squeaky clean all the men and women are who work there and get funded $10 billion a year from the US taxpayer. Uh, we know that that's not correct because, for one thing, we have Chuck Grasley has all these whistleblowers who are coming forward uh, telling him that when the Hunter Biden information was uh, when our story came out in October, when Tony Bobulinski came forward and was interviewed by the FBI for hours in October of 2020, uh, that there were agents within the FBI who were downplaying that, closing off investigations, calling it Russian disinformation. And uh, Christopher Wray, this is extraordinary, in, on Thursday, he refused to answer a question um, from a Republican saying, Marsha Blackburn actually, um, saying that uh, the laptop was not Russian disinformation. He refused to say it was not Russian disinformation. And yet two years ago, back in October 2020, when Adam Schiff came out after our New York Post story about the laptop, our first one, when Adam Schiff lied and said that laptop was Russian disinformation. We had the entire intelligence community, the Director of National Intelligence, the uh, Attorney General then Bill Barr and the FBI Director Ray all came out with statements saying that was incorrect. There was absolutely zero information that the intelligence community had to say that this was Russian disinformation. And yet two years later, Ray is not even remembering or backing up the statement that he made and he's going into a Senate hearing under oath and refuses to say, no, it's not Russian disinformation. Miranda, this is this is Pete King, and I was on the Intelligence Committee during the whole Russia hoax investigation. Right. And when people talk about you know, uh, Donald Trump being a threat to democracy, to me, to having the FBI and the CIA and the intelligence community mobilized, saying that you know uh, somehow Russia was involved in the uh, campaign in 2016, and then to turn around four years later and say Russia was now involved with uh, uh, you know with Hunter Biden and to me, this is such a threat to democracy to have yeah. organizations that should be non-political but have incredible power to have them being mobilized for political purposes. To me, is really dangerous, and it's really, except for people like you, it's never mentioned in the, in, in the mainstream media. Well, Pete, you know, you would know more than anyone how important the words are that come from the head of the intelligence committee, the House Intelligence Committee, which was Adam Schiff. He has privy to intelligence, um, and he lied. He said the laptop was Russian disinformation. He did that to try and neutralise 
the damage that our story, our first story we wrote from the laptop, which showed that Joe Biden was indeed involved in his son Hunter's overseas business dealings uh, with this Ukrainian. Um, he, he, Adam Schiff came out to neutralise that story. And that had an impact because his saying that and also the 51 former intelligence right. officials who wrote that letter saying it was Russian disinformation or Russian information, um, same thing, um, that, that had a chilling effect on the media. You know, I know even for us, you know, when you look at that, it really becomes a very high bar to have the courage to go past that and have faith in your reporters and the information that you have and the verifications that you've done. But it certainly would have helped... Uh, scare off the New York Times, Washington Post and so on from pursuing this story, which they should have, because you actually had the government, I mean, the, the proper institutions, not the not the, the partisan people like John Brennan and Adam Schiff, you had the John Ratcliffe, DNI, you had Bill Barr, you had uh, Christopher Ray, then, you know, FBI director, all saying, no, it's not Russian disinformation. So, um, but sadly, the Russian disinformation story... Well, if he said it's not Russian disinformation... Could it possibly mean that uh, Russia had nothing to do with it? Russia had nothing to do with it. Well, I mean, that was the truth. Well, that's it's, it's not Russian disinformation. Maybe Christopher Ray was saying that it had, Russia had nothing to do with it. Is that the, I mean, you were there, uh, uh, Peter King. Yeah, but how was it? But you did have 51 or 41 former intelligence and uh, uh, but that, those, were li- those were lies completely. Yeah, no, but, but they yeah. said it was. They said it was Russian disinformation, right? right. And, and that was, was repudiated. And Miranda had it right. Yep, yeah, so, the media never so repudiated it. At what point does a congressman or or senator, you know, get in trouble for lying? Well, first of all, Adam Schiff. It, is it, a, no, it, nobody tells the truth in Washington. Not Schiff. Well, some do. Not Schiff. And uh, uh, Schiff had also said that Russia colluded with Russia in 2016, and he said he had Trump. all this evidence. Yeah, there was said, no evidence. That's right. No evidence. And you were, and well, you in those said, briefings, Peter? I was in there. There was nothing there. And I, the big lie. And that night I'd see him on CNN after we heard nothing. He'd be on CNN. If you heard what we heard, there's evidence that Trump was definitely colluding with Russia. It was nonsense. It was not nonsense. It was a wow. it's a lie, and then there's he lied again be, with Hunter there, Biden. But, listen, if if the American people are going to have value in 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 our justice system, value in our our, our uh, uh, Congress, there's got to be some ethics someplace. And we there's got to be some ethics. And we need more people like Miranda Devine in the media. I mean, she was really the lone voice there for for too long. Bottom line is we can't control what our children do, right? But how is the president involved in this? That's the big thing. That's the key. That's the crux of all of this. He's the president of the United States. His son participated in illegal activities. He was selling the office of the United States, a president. I mean, so that's why it's important to get this information out there and find out exactly what did President Biden know and how involved was he in his son's activities? What do you think, Miranda Devine? Look, this is the crucial point, and it's something that's being seized on right now by Democrats and their influences on social media are saying, oh, Hunter Biden's a private citizen. Why are you all obsessed with him? He can't help it. He's a drug addict. It's nothing to do with Hunter Biden. It's just that the material on Hunter Biden's laptop implicates his father, 
who was vice president and involved in this influence peddling operation that his family was conducting around the world and is now president. And it has national security implications. It is a very important story. Well, a lot of the things President Biden has been doing, the American people are scratching their heads. Highly questionable. Highly questionable. Is he compromised? Well, that's the $64,000 question. No, 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 no. $64 trillion question. <laughs> yeah, well. Inflation. That's much, yeah. That that's he right. caused. how much we're sending to, to, to Ukraine in the end, a billion dollars a week or Well, so. they're sending a billion dollars to the Ukraine. What's the story on CBS? Is that 30% number of that they CBS said originally is, right? Right. Or, what, what's the truth, uh, Miranda? I don't know. I read that story, too. Um, I would hope it's not right. But, you know, we know Ukraine is... Well, 30 might not be right, but 100% is not right either, I think. Well, it's one of the most corrupt countries in the world, and we know that... Don't forget, Biden don't forget story. that that airplane that took off from uh, from where was it, uh, Serbia, right, and was going to some other place, crashed in northern Greece, and they had a, a hundreds, a hundred million dollars worth of uh, armory on it. Yeah, Look into pr- it, uh, Miranda. We have to take the break, and re- we're taking this break, and we're going to have Lou Dobbs coming on in the next uh, second or so. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. This is John Katzmatidis, and with us today, uh, uh, one smart investment advisor. We have uh, Ryan Payne. And uh, Ryan Payne, what the heck is going on uh, with this with this new uh, law that they're trying to pass in Washington? How bad are these going to hurt our economy? Well, I mean, we're already in a technical recession, right? We know we had two quarters of negative GDP, yet now the government wants to spend more money, raise taxes, and supersize the IRS, John. I don't know where I come from. Well, we were just talking about the FBI has a $10 billion budget. So the IRS has a $10 billion or $12 billion budget right now, and they want to take it to $80 billion. And hire 87,000 agents. Who are they going after? Small businesses like me. <laughs> They've already said they're going to up audits by like 50%. And oh if you've ever been through an audit, you know the cost of that audit, the time it takes when you're a small business owner. These are things you can't afford. Why, the IRS is not your friend? It's hard to believe. Contrary to they get a bonus if they get more <laughs> money out of you. Probably. Uh, is the IRS on a bonus system? I wonder if, uh, if they get more money out of you, do they, uh, you know... Now, tell me, uh, tell us about the new bill that they want to pass. I understand from one of my friends, they want to tax the pharmaceutical industry so they can, which is a very successful industry, saved all our lives, uh, during the, uh, the pandemic and take that money and give it to the green energy thing, a uh, uh, green energy, uh, uh, industry that, that can't prove they can do it and make any money. And the pharmaceutical industry, if you increase their prices, all they're going to do is reflect it to the consumers. If if you raise the, the the taxes on the pharmaceutical industry, it's like raising taxes on the on the cigarette industry. You yeah, might as I mean, well anytime laugh. You put, yeah, anytime you put price controls in, we know what happens, right? You get 
shortages and you get higher prices eventually. So if they, if you delay those price hikes, that's all you're really doing. And if they can't again, compensate by passing to consumers, they're going to show research and development. Is that what we want to do, show research and development pharmaceuticals? Yeah, no, and they're looking to tax coal, natural gas, and oil, right? I mean, everything that we're using right now, we have a shortage And you know, who, when they tax the oil companies, who's going to pay for it? The consumer, the middle class. I thought we were supposed to tax things we want people not to buy, not things that we desperately need and the price is already high on them. The power to tax is the power to destroy. That's the cliche. Well, it's true. Ryan, this is your show right now. Go ahead. You tell us. <laughs> well, no. and I mean, the, the other problem is where they want to give you a subsidy is buying an electric vehicle. I don't know anyone who can afford an electric vehicle uh, if you're just uh, – an average American living on normal salary, they go for like Tesla goes for like a thirty-five thousand dollars for for a base model, a base model. So, you know, I think overall this is very problematic and it's very counterintuitive to the fact that we're what are we doing right now? We're fighting higher costs. Um, if you're a business right now, uh, you're trying to manage your supply chains, right? Because they've been a disaster. Um, you know, if you were shut down during the pandemic, what are you trying to do right now? You're trying to claw back where you were. So to add, you know, all these additional taxes, if your business has a billion dollars plus in profits, they're going to have another 15% tax. And, again, where are they going to pass that tax on to, that cost on to? You and me, the consumer. So the I consumer is going to pay at the end of the day. I never thought 100%. there'd be a day we'd agree with Bernie Sanders. Even he is very doubtful that this will have any kind of effect on inflation whatsoever. What do you think, Ryan Payne, when you heard Bernie Sanders' remarks? <laughs> I think they called the inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act is the most insulting thing you can possibly do. It's a consumer <laughs> fraud. Yeah, Consumer Fraud Act. That's what you should call it. CSA. There you go. All right. Well, let's rename it the Consumer, consumer fraud, fraud Act of, of 2022, How to Rip Off the Consumer More. I say build I mean, New York BS. City, New York is trying to rip off the consumer in, in New York City. They want to have this congestion tax. Oh. Ryan, where do you live, Ryan? I live downtown, and it's a disaster, John. I'm in the village. I mean, and, and, but if you go to a certain state. part of the city, you're going to have to pay $10 every time you go. No, so. it's 35 no, nice. $10 would be a bargain, yeah, John. I wish it would only be. They're talking like 35 bucks Every day. Every single every day. day. Okay. These people the are out of their mind. And this is because yeah. the MTA cannot manage And what's their in own budget. hospitals? I mean. And who wants to go on the subway anymore? <laughs> That's another issue. If you don't so, keep I mean, the hey, if you don't keep the subway safe, who's going to go in it? Why should they go in not, it? By the way, but they're going to take the people. They're going to take the people, charge them the congestion tax to make, you know, to pay for the, for all the losses in the MTA. Um, Congressman King, what say you? As somebody who uh, grew up in Queens, I think the congestion tax is terrible. It's going to hurt middle-income people. And as Lydia said, if you're visiting someone in a hospital, if you have a job downtown, and to be paying $35 a day, it's going to bankrupt people. It's impossible. Oh, but the solution, they say, is just take a, just take a subway. But if you're sick, well, you say you're infirm, say yeah. you have cancer, You because I have a family member that does have cancer, goes to the hospital here quite quite a bit down the block, cannot go onto the subway, cannot go onto Metro North. And there are plenty of people just like him. So what what do you say, Governor Hochul, about that? Yeah, what but even, even if you're perfectly healthy, who wants to go on the subway that's these days? A, that's another point, of course. Yeah, that's the problem. Right, right, Governor. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, you literally, I know a lot of people now that won't go on the subway. They're afraid. You know, if you're a woman, it's a... I wouldn't let my kids go on the subway. Would you let your two daughters go on the subway Absol- again? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ryan Payne, who is going to be paying higher taxes now as a result of this Build Back BS 
consumer fraud bill that's about to be passed. And, and, you know, I want I want royalties for that uh, that idea. That <laughs> but no, <laughs> you split it with me. Say. You split it with me, please. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk after the show. But no, I, I think look, the problem is it's the middle class. The middle class always pays, right? I mean, that's that's. And then you look at hedge funds are getting away with their interest carry, right? Well, they they're made a big enough contribution to uh, the senators. The Democrats. They made a big enough contribution to Senator Cinema and and uh, and our other one. I mean, if they make a big enough contribution, they don't have to pay the taxes. Unbelievable. And they, have, they should have gotten rid of that carry tax years ago. So hedge funds make out great. If you're a hedge fund manager, keep going. But for the rest of us, the consumer loses. Suffering. Absolutely. Well, Ryan Payne, tell us the name of your company again. Uh, Payne Capital Management right here in New York City, P-A-Y-N-E. We're on More Money Show every Saturday on WABC at 1 o'clock. And our Pain Points of Wealth podcast is amazing. With that amazing guy, Stephen Moore. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, John. Take care, thank guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> and now Excuse on the me. line with us, we have Captain Ed Mamet. He's a long time. He served in the Detective Bureau for 20 years in a variety of positions from detective to captain, most recently the commanding officer, criminal intelligence now, I section. I want to hear what a retired on. police. How many years are you retired, Captain? 23. Well, 23. A retired police officer. How the heck do you feel? What the heck is going on right now? Well, let me tell you something. Peter King's father was my instructor in a police academy. I'm sure Peter said recently he must be turning over in his grave. And you're right about that. You really are. And let me tell you something. I'm, as you always say, John, I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. Last week I parked my car on a busy Manhattan street. I come down in the morning and my catalytic converter is gone. Oh, my God. $700 to replace. So, but, but, but Ed, Ed, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me tell you something. What about... Police officers being robbed at gunpoint. Police officers being mugged. Being mugged. What's that about? What's that about? You know they're stealing cars right outside of police departments as well. You know that, right? Right outside the police department, they're stealing the cars. I say bring back tough cops like Ed Mamet. Well, let me tell you something. In my 40-year career, I have never, ever experienced anything like this. 20 years, almost 20 years of hard work by, by two mayors, Giuliani Bloomberg right. and two great police commissioners, Kelly and Bratton, have gone down the drain. It may take years to recover. But you know something? With proper management and leadership, I think we can recover because, you know, we are New Yorkers and we have a fine police department, but we just have to let them, you know, do what they have to do. And, uh, and it was a different. Is at, all, is at all time low. And uh, we have to do something before the agency becomes totally dysfunctional. And when you come out of the police academy, when out in the street, when anyone you think of just walking up and throwing stuff at you or spitting at you or stopping you when you're trying to make an arrest, I mean, it's a whole different world today. And I think the cops are the real victims of this. And you're right. I think we need to let the cops do their job, let the men and women in blue do their job. And that's why so many of them are quitting before they even get their full pensions. Right, Captain? That's right. Hey, Peter, you know, when I left the academy in 1959, I went to Bed-Stuy. I was a young, a young cop, 23 years old. And I remember walking down the street. We were all on foot. People wouldn't even look at us. They would turn the other way. They were so afraid of us. And that's what we need. We need that fear element. You know, and there's an old adage that there's, there's not <laughs> – I hate to say it, but there was more justice at the end of the nightstick than all the courts of war. <laughs> and, well, and, by uh, the way, I took – Captain, they took away the nightsticks, didn't they? 
Well, it's not that they took them away. They replaced them with a with a stupid little folding thing that goes on the belt. <laughs> no, but Captain, uh, I saw this video on that this cop actually did a really effective job with that nightstick. It kind of like, you know, comes out like a pointer. He was trying to make an arrest on the subway. And then this woman came in and she started hitting the cop. And then the cop whips it out like a sword almost like. And then he hit her and he controlled the situation. That woman ran away. And that was the right way to handle the arrest. And I feel I, I feel like that cop needs to be commended for what a great job he did he probably did he probably practiced with that with that device but the old baton there was nothing like the old <laughs> baton you know they put the civil war riot right. down with that baton right. and uh, you know it worked very well it, it's it's a fearsome looking thing just the fact that a cop is, is twirling it walking down the street people uh, you know they 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 uh, see it it's intimidating yeah. that's what we need we need like john with his baseball these criminals yeah, I still have my father's nightstick at home. It's a, it's a powerful weapon, I'll tell you that. By the way, yeah, before we get sidetracked, let me thank you again for the award the Charmin Society gave me several years ago. It was really an honor to receive it from you, Ed, so thank you for that. You got one, too? I tell you, yeah. <laughs> Getting it from Ed meant a lot. <laughs> well, Captain, you know, we we got a couple minutes left. Tell us, you talk to a lot of retired police officers how the heck do they feel? I mean, the, the retirement of professional of police officers that have seniority and they know what they're doing uh, is at an all-time high, and we end up with more rookies than senior police officers, which doesn't help. Well, all the, the cops I speak to, the young ones and the old ones, they're all totally demoralized. And, you know, um, all they want, they want the tools to do the job. And, you know, and they want to feel like, like they're doing something. They feel totally hopeless. This stupid uh, immunity, uh, qualified immunity is one of the worst things that ever happened because they're all afraid. And also, you know, the diaphragm law and these other dopey local laws that were passed by the city council, you can lay it all at the feet of de Blasio because he did more to destroy the department and the city than anybody else. And, and you know, I don't know how long it's going to take to recover, but I think that the mayor has a chance Instead of talking about doing things, he should introduce legislation to repeal these laws. Even if the city council overrides him, at least he sends a message out that he's doing something. You know, everybody seems to feel that we're stuck with these laws. The laws can be repealed. And also and put the city council on the spot. Put them on the uh, That's the right. The congressman's yeah. absolutely right. You put them on well, the spot. if they don't fix the laws, I mean, and all these murders are happening of black and brown children. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't we make them co-conspirators? Can a, a smart prosecutor make them a co-conspirator? Oh, Alvin Bragg? <laughs> can, can we? It's not indict him, John. It's not a crime. It's not a crime to be stupid. Why can't we hold the parents in many cases responsible for what their kids do? You know, that's an overlooked fact. Um, a lot of these kids do get away with things, and their parents are well aware of it. And I think that the city should start looking at that. That's an important thing to do. And, um, you know, also, the, um, uh, uh, regarding the, the, uh, the laws, as I said before, try and repeal the laws. And, and another thing is, one of the ways we could deal with this is just keep making the arrests. I know that the answer is going to be, well, you make an arrest, there's going to be no bail, they're going to walk out. But the fact is, if you keep arresting these dudes over and over again, you're getting them off the street, even if it's for two hours. And if they have a car, you seize the car. You know, you know what I would do. If I was the mayor, miserable for them that they look, they look away. If I was the mayor, I would, I would have them when they're arrested. I would have them processed in Rikers Island. Forget about them for two days, and then let them out. 
That's a great idea. <laughs> the more yeah. you make it miserable for them, the, the, the less chance they are going to, to do now, it. Now, I understand. I saw the video before. They ran into a, a jewelry store in the Bronx. Bronx. In the Bronx. Bronx. And in, 30, in 36 oh. seconds, they stole $2 million worth of jewelry. Right. Yep. Yeah, you know, Judge, I want to ask you, do you agree with me on what I said before about introducing legislation to repeal those laws, even if even if they're overridden I, later I, on? Captain, I agree with you and Congressman King. That's absolutely the right thing to well, do. Well, who could introduce that legislation? The mayor, the mayor, have, the the mayor, mayor can do it. Legislation, of so Mayor Adams could introduce legislation to, say, overturn yes. qualified immunity, the and whole diaphragm law. We can that. introduce it, yes. I would say the mayor, the mayor may be political hot potato. The mayor should meet with Lee Zeldin and uh, maybe uh, Kathy Hochul will say, oh, crap, what's going on? John, you are the king of bringing people together. So maybe you can broker like kind of a meeting of the minds. This is not about Democrat or Republican. You bring what's best for New York. Okay, Captain Mamet, thank you for your service of what? How many years? Thirty seven years. Uh, oh, my time almost 40, 39 years, 40 nine years. Months, six days. Thank you for your service to New York City. Thank you for speaking out for the NYPD. God bless you and God bless America. Can we take a break now? And when we come back, we're going to come back with Dr. Peter Michalos. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's about time. <laughs> Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we're back. And this is John Katzmatidis, the number one show at 5 o'clock. Why? We're mad as hell and we can't take it anymore. And, and we tell you about it. And I was mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. They see they finally found the right <laughs> button. They finally found the right button. Oh, God. Where's the cavalry one? There it is. That's for Larry Dunlop. That's fair. Now he knows. Covering attractions for Friday. Covering attractions. Uh, with us today is Peter, Dr. Peter. <laughs> See, I like to make some people laugh once in a while. We need a, you need a laugh. No, we either need Kleenex no more to cry. Coffee. No we need more Kleenex to cry, to, 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 to cry or we need a laugh. What is in that you cup? <laughs> High octane coffee. <laughs> And, and we have with us Dr. Peter Michalos, and he's got a few. Uh... Now, I understand, Dr. Peter, uh, our in-house genius, that uh, uh, COVID, there's reports that COVID was damaging heart muscles more than people know. What is the breaking news on that? Well, the first is that laughter is the best medicine. That's why you've got to listen to Cats at Night so you can get in a few laughs to get through these crazy <laughs> times. And uh, it's interesting that uh, Dr. Zing Zhang Ling from uh, Utica, New York, uh, was uh, presenting papers at the American Heart Association Symposium. And some fascinating uh, news that we've all suspected uh, about COVID is that the spike protein is toxic to heart muscles. And basically, what does that mean? 
basically this protein, the body's immune system sees it, and it triggers an inflammatory cell attack against the heart specifically, whereas other coronaviruses, like the flu virus is a type of coronavirus, they don't do that to the heart muscle. So that that's what's making this virus particularly interesting. And in the study, they studied the hospitalized patients who had COVID, and they found that 55% of them had some effect on the heart and inflammation and the uh, heart's ability to pump. That same spike protein uh, also can be generated by vaccine. So there were a certain number of cases of heart inflammation with the vaccine. But overall, in the big picture, the vaccinated people had less inflammation triggering that damaged the heart. So that's the good news about And the the people that got antibodies were even better, right? Well, what happens is you're absolutely right. If you have these spike proteins and you immediately get an infusion of the antibodies in the first Alpha Delta variant that we had, it was the Regeneron antibody. But now with this subvariant of BA4 and BA5, there's a medicine called Beltemovab by Eli Lilly. And picture it as a metal cap on the spike protein that's a little knife trying to get into your cell. So when the antibody covers it, the immune system doesn't see it, doesn't attack it, doesn't generate as much inflammation. It can't get into your cells to replicate, to take over the copying machine system of our bodies because it doesn't have a body. It needs our body. So basically when you block it early on, so that's why we've been telling for the last two years our patients to get treated as soon as possible, whether it's the oral antiviral agents that block the copying machine or better yet the IV antibody, you basically stop that process so you are less likely to end up with the heart muscle damage, less likely to end up with this new condition called long-haul COVID where people have uh, cognitive problems, focusing problems, anxiety, depression, weakness, uh, insomnia. So uh, I think early treatment is very important. It's now readily available almost everywhere in the United States. Thank God to Operation Warp Speed that produced all these now, if they tax, doctor, I know your tax, tax accounting is not your specialty, but if they tax the pharmaceutical companies, they can do two things, reflect the price increases of the tax back to the consumer or, or reduce their uh, development, uh, research, and development. Re- research and development. Well, what we've learned in Economy 101 worldwide is that price controls result in shortages. And if you start going into the profits of pharmaceutical companies, which everyone attacks, then you will have shortages in innovation and development. The rest of the world is waiting for us to make it, spend the $200 million to take a medicine through the FDA. And then they wait for the either to copy it or they wait for the patent to expire, and that's how they do it. We're the innovators. We're the world leaders. What new COVID medicine that's been successful in the last three years has come out of any other country except the United States? Yes, I give credit. We had, we had the vaccine. Europe screwed up, and they didn't have it. I, I believe yes, I'm correct no, on that. But with all due respect, we have to say the Russian vaccine ended up working just fine, too. So they did okay, too, with their Sputnik vaccine. So we have to give them credit for that. But most of the treatments, not the vaccine. They all came out of the United States because investors take a risk. They put the money in. They put up their capital, and they put their money where their mouth is, and they make it happen. So uh, we have to respect what pharma, you know, people attack big pharma, but be careful what you wish for. Otherwise, that new medicine that might save you next week 
just like, for example, you know, with melanoma, there's a medicine. That's why people like Jimmy Carter are alive with metastatic melanoma, because someone spent hundreds of million dollars invested. Because for every one of those that makes it, 10 don't. So people lose money. But Americans take those risks, and that's why we... Doctor, uh, we got three minutes left. Polio. How serious is the situation up in Rockland County? Well, it showed up in the sewage system, which is a big problem, because when it shows up and one person has it and it's in the sewage system, you might have 100 people uh, infected. The problem is we thought we eradicated 1979. It popped up again in 2013. And then we got this case that came in from another country that showed up in July 21st. And uh, the problem is there's no treatment. There's only a vaccine. It works 100%. Well, I mean, 99%. It's a great vaccine. And people should get vaccinated. The anti-vaxxers out there, you know, okay, I understand what you're doing with COVID, but please don't mess around. Get your kids vaccinated for polio. It's part of the regular school vaccines. It presents with fever, stomach pain, stiff neck, sore throat, fatigue, and you end up can end up with paralysis. If it hits the muscles in your diaphragm, your breathing muscle, you can end up dead. So we have to take it uh, seriously and uh, wash your hands. Dr. Mikolos, um, we're seeing so many, because we're running out of time, so I want to get this question. We're seeing so many homeless people now on the streets, and it's, it seems to be very unsanitary. How much could that uncleanliness contribute to, say, more oh, diseases? Yeah, I have a friend who is also now yeah. afraid to take the subway because of monkeypox, because it can be oh. transmitted skin to skin. Yeah, droplets, yeah, cholera, dysentery, TB, you're going to start seeing uh, resurgences of all these old scourges as they're seeing in San Francisco. It's happening. So we need to make, uh, take back our streets, make New York safe again, make you America. You mean if you, t- if you shake somebody's hand and might have monkeypox, you might get it? Yeah. Yep, theoretically wow. you could. Yes. So, so uh, what are the symptoms of monkeypox? The symptoms are fever, fatigue, and you get lymph node swelling, you get sores on your genital area and on your hands and rashes, unlike other viruses that don't cause this extensive lymphadenopathy where your neck lymph nodes and your armpit lymph nodes start to swell and they become severely painful. Most of the hospital admissions are for severe pain. Good news is that out of the 16,000 cases worldwide, there were only five deaths, so it's not as deadly. Oh, that's and there are That is treatments. good news. And, and those that's five probably had other symptoms. There is a vaccine that is FDA approved that actually got approved yeah. during the last administration, and now it's being distributed well by the current administration. And uh, we're, thank God, we're, for U.S. Doctor, pharmaceutical. We're out of time, but I want to thank you for so many lives that you help, and God bless you. And uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Congressman Peter King, Lydia Serrani, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless New York. God bless America. And tomorrow, Connecticut, don't forget to vote for the right candidate. Thank you so much.